Hey there, Braves fans. Welcome to another edition of State of the Braves. I'm your host, George McNair. It is great to be back with you guys once again as uh, we are, of course, continuing on with this offseason. And uh, this is these are the doldrums of, of January. Uh, it is cold. It is currently uh, raining coldly outside my, uh, my place. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those things you get through as a baseball fan, I guess anybody, but, uh, you know, winter is definitely not my favorite time of the year, but nonetheless, I got a couple of topics, interesting topics for you guys today that I definitely want to discuss before we get into those. Um, just, uh, some recent Braves news stuff that's been happening lately. A couple things to talk about. Uh, the first is that the Braves have recently signed Kevin Pillar to a minor league contract for $3 million. Uh, Pilar is an outfielder. He actually had some pretty good years in Toronto a few years back. Uh, he's 34 years old, so he's you know he's not, um, I would say, totally out of uh, his prime in terms of the realm of him being a um, usable um, big league player. But this is a kind of unique contract. You don't see a lot of uh, minor league deals uh, go down for this amount of money. Uh, it's pretty big pretty big money in terms of $3 million. Uh, now, he only makes that if he makes the big league club. So um, now he could, uh, let's say, come into spring training, not make the club, go down to the minor leagues, and uh, then you know midseason the Braves bring him up. And at that point, they would, uh, they would start to uh, pay him kind of a prorated salary based off of that $3 million figure. So uh, he, he might be at least a decent backup uh, option uh, if, if the Braves need to go there. Uh, like I said, Pilar has been a serviceable player in the past. He's kind of more known for his defense. Now he's getting older, so he used to be a really, really good defensive center fielder. Those days are behind him, uh, but maybe at least a solid corner outfield option if you were to bring him up. Braves fans might remember Pilar as the guy that Jacob Webb hit in the face a few years ago. He was with the Mets at that time, and he came back really quickly from that. A lot of people thought he might be done for a long time. So he's known as a, a kind of impressive um, guy in that regard. He's he's uh, he's a tough player. Uh, he's known to be pretty um, uh, pretty popular in clubhouses. So solid clubhouse guy. The Braves like to bring those guys in, even if he doesn't end up playing at the big league level. I think they like to have those guys in the organization. And we, of course, know uh, that the Braves are pretty weak in left field as they continue to kind of throw, uh, you know, everything at the wall and see what happens. You know, I, I think that, um, unfortunately, I think a lot of us would have loved the Braves to go out and play in the, you know, the, the left field uh, free agent market this season. They just simply uh, weren't willing to do that. And, and you know, I, I do think Alex Anthopoulos, uh, if you've heard any of his interviews, what he will say is they don't care so much about the tax number. You know, the Braves are going to be over that tax threshold number this season. Uh, but it's more that they have a specific uh, budget, budgetary number that they're not going to go over. And I do wonder if they've just gotten really close to that number. Uh, and I think the Braves also probably are unwilling to spend a lot of money in left field because you're paying Eddie Rosario $9 million uh, to play left field this season. You're, you're paying Marcelo Zuna to, uh, to DH, hopefully not play left field, but DH, and you're paying him a lot of money. So I think the idea of paying someone else a lot of money on top of those guys this season is not all that attractive to them. So, so they're, you know, they've signed a lot of guys, um, 
to, to small contracts. Most of these contracts are not guaranteed. Uh, Jordan Luplow uh, is the only contract that they've signed for these outfielders that is guaranteed uh, $1.4 million contract for next season. Uh, the other guys, you know, you just kind of see and, and you invite them to camp and maybe someone, um, you know, shows up in a way that they haven't before. Uh, you have, like I said, Pilar, Eli White, uh, they acquired uh, this offseason as well. Uh, now, Marcel Uzun, I'll even throw in that mix because I think if he doesn't show up in, you know, looking good in spring training this year, he might get cut. And then they also acquired Sam Hilliard. Uh, now, Hilliard's um, kind of an interesting pickup simply because I think most of these other guys, they fit in um, in a way that you could foresee a, a platoon with Eddie Rosario, um, you know, lefty and righty platoon situation going on. But Sam Hilliard is a lefty, and he, he's a big dude. He can play probably all three outfield positions, but he's, he hasn't really hit much in the big leagues as of yet. Uh, so I, I think Luplo is the most um, – you know, because his contract is guaranteed, he's the most likely guy. But, you know, who knows? I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Braves brought in a few other outfield options. Uh, and maybe maybe something else happens late in the offseason where the Braves are able to get someone who's a little more solid. Uh, but I think a platoon with Rosario is the most likely uh, scenario. Now, if the Braves end up releasing Ozuna, maybe Rosario slides a little bit more into uh, a DH role, or at least part-time DH role, uh, part-time outfield role, and then you have maybe more of a full-time guy slide into left field. I, you know, Maybe that would happen, but, but more is going to have to be done for that probably to be the case. Um, you know, Other things that are happening in Braves world right now, uh, Braves Fest just happened uh, in Atlanta. Uh, if, you, if you follow them on any kind of social media, you can see all sorts of pictures. It looks like a pretty cool event that the Braves put on. Most of uh, the Braves players participate in this thing. Um, they, they raise a lot of money uh, for various causes and just have a lot of fun. It just it looked like a cool time. And it also tends to be, you know, you can get a little snippets of news that come out as, you know, everybody's in one place at one time. And there's one, one piece of that that I'll talk about a little later in this podcast. But, uh, but they're doing that, and it's just cool to see uh, the Braves in uniform, first time you uh, you get to see Sean Murphy um, walking around in a Braves jersey, so that's kind of cool stuff like that. All right, um, the other thing uh, just to mention that's happening in a couple days is the Hall of Fame is going to be uh, the results are going to be announced uh, on Tuesday, January twenty fourth, and several former Braves have uh, at least a chance of getting in the Hall of Fame. I don't think any of these guys are considered likely uh, to make it this time around. Uh, but Andrew Jones, uh, of course, is the biggest name in, in Braves country who played you know, uh, his, his best seasons and most of his career with the Braves. Billy Wagner uh, finished out his career with one season with the Braves. And then Gary Sheffield had, though he didn't play for the Braves for many years, um, some of his best seasons were with the Braves. Uh, so, like I said, I think Sheffield is likely to not uh, he's getting close to the end of his run of being um, uh, being able to get into the Hall of Fame. I think Billy Wagner, most people think, will probably slide in at some point. And I think Andrew Jones is going to be on the edge. It's going to be really interesting to see if he ever gets in, with at least within his um, first 10 years of eligibility. This is year six for him. Uh, he has 
uh, steadily made his way up the up the percentages. You have to get to 75% to get into the Hall of Fame. I think uh, his closest so far has been in the 40s, but a lot of people think he's going to get into the 60s, maybe low 60s this year. Um, so, yeah, he's getting closer, but it will be interesting to see, you know, what his number is. Uh, if he doesn't go up as, as high as most people think, if he's more in the – you know, 50s, then I don't know. He might not. He might not be able to make make up that number. Um, a lot of people will look at. You know, Andrew Jones has a really interesting career, very unique career, because he was so good for uh, the first 10 years of his career, and then he had a very quick, precipitous drop um, in his early 30s. Basically, as soon as he left the Braves, uh, he was done. I mean, he he was able to hang on and, and continue to hit some home runs, but he had very little value. And, you know, he's one of the greatest defensive outfielders ever, uh, but that's basically just over a 10-year period, and that's it. Um, I was always – Andrew Jones was always one of my favorite Braves uh, when he played, but mostly because of his defense, but he was infuriating offensively. I mean, he you just saw the the raw power and the, the absolutely uh, – pure potential of the guy and I, I really believe that Andrew Jones never truly um, never truly got to his offensive potential and in part of that was because of his approach and um, and just kind of selling out to the home run but he, he played in a home run happy era so uh, in some ways I don't fully uh, blame him for that he had some tr- tremendous seasons uh, he uh, you know remember he he hit 51 home runs one year um, which probably wasn't his greatest uh, greatest season ever. If you look back, he had some. I mean, early in his career, his first five or so seasons, uh, he was probably the greatest defensive player um, ever. Had some of the greatest defensive seasons any any player has ever had, especially outfielders. So, uh, I really hope Andrew Jones makes it. I do think he is a Hall of Famer, um, but you know, maybe it will maybe it will happen in his last year or two on the ballot. Probably not this year. All right, guys. Well, the first, or sorry, the, the two main issues that I want to talk about or topics I want to talk about today with you guys is number one is the reinstatement of John Coppolella by Major League Baseball. That came out uh, about a week or so ago and was pretty surprising news. Uh, and if you've been a longtime Braves fan, you'll know the name of the former general manager of the Braves, uh, John Coppolella, also known as Coppy um, <laughs> during his time in Major League Baseball. I will get into him and uh, all that went down there. And then also want to discuss in more depth uh, if the Braves should be putting their uh, trust and faith in Vaughn Grissom uh, as their starting shortstop this season. So let's first uh, talk about John Coppolella. Uh, he was banned from baseball, which is, uh, this has not happened to many people across uh, all of baseball history. I mean, you might think of Pete Rose. Shoeless Joe Jackson, I mean, not many. So John Coppolella being banned uh, by Major League Baseball was not a small news story when it happened in 2017. Coppolella had been the general manager of the Braves for about two seasons, about two full years, uh, calendar years at that time. Uh, He had also operated in conjunction with John Hart uh, for a season in which he he was basically the general manager for, for the 2014 season, but Hart, you know, it's it's a little fuzzy as to who actually was pulling the strings during that season. But you could probably put Coppola, uh in, you know, in responsible for a lot of what the Braves were doing at that time as well. 
So anyways, he's banned uh, by Major League Baseball in 2017 for violations related to uh, international signings. So uh, the story goes that he uh, was uh, basically paying international prospects under the table to make sure that they would sign with the Braves. Now, of course, these international prospects are 15, 16, 17-year-old players uh, from impoverished countries, poor families, and that sort of thing. Uh, so it certainly doesn't look good. Now, the one thing I'll say is um, this has, I don't know if it still is, but it was certainly being done probably by other teams uh, at the time as well. It wasn't like the Braves and Coppola were the only ones doing it. Of course, that doesn't excuse it at all. Uh, but he definitely got caught. The Braves definitely got caught. The big thing, the big reason why Coppola was banned was not necessarily because of these infractions. But because he lied to Major League Baseball, he basically tried to cover it up. And, you know, they say that the scandal is in the cover-up, not the initial crime. And so that's what happened to Coppolella. Um, and if you had heard much about Coppolella before this, it might not have surprised you that he was willing to not only make these infractions but also lie to MLB. He was kind of known as a wheeler and dealer, um, as a little bit of a cutthroat guy, not the – you know, not the most cuddly, kind person in the world. I mean, it just simply was his his reputation. So uh, this happened, and Copwell was out, and of course, it put a stain on the Braves franchise. And you know, the Braves really pride themselves in in being an upstanding franchise, and this certainly could not have been a good moment for the Braves at all. You know, the Braves at the time were planning on moving into a new, uh, you know, Truist Park and, and, you know, they were hoping for good things. And it was right at this time that during Coppola's, um, you know, time with the Braves that they were rebuilding. So it certainly wasn't the greatest thing in the world. Now, looking back on it, it might have been uh, a blessing in disguise for the Braves franchise. Um, Coppola did some good things while he was with the Braves. And then, of course, this was Really good timing because Alex Anthopoulos was available and uh, the Braves were able to pounce on him. And, of course, he's become one of the best general managers in baseball. So the Braves are doing just fine in that regard. Um, But I did want to look back and just kind of think about Coppola a little bit more and what he did for the Braves. It's definitely – his tenure is definitely a complicated thing to think about because there's quite a few positives that he brought to the Braves – that uh, Braves fans are still experiencing to this day. And yet, of course, there were some uh, some pretty negative things that he left on the Braves' plate um, after his banning. Uh, you know, very short tenure with the Braves. Like I said, about two or three years where he was really kind of the main guy um, making the decisions. Um, and also, you know, it was also reported that Coppola had developed a pretty toxic work environment uh, in the Braves, uh, in in the entire Braves system and you know organization, so that is uh, very different from what seems to exist today. You know, uh, Alex Anthopoulos, uh, not too long ago, was named um, uh, Executive of the Year in Major League Baseball. That's not just about uh, you know what he's putting on on the field, but just the entire health of the organization seems to be in really good hands with Anthopoulos. And I think as Braves fans, we can we can certainly appreciate that and it wasn't the case a lot of people were were really frustrated with Coppola and not loving to work 
for the Braves organization. That's not good. I mean, it's not really good in a lot of different ways. And it filters down um, maybe some to the players, but you know, a lot of the decision makers and that sort of thing, it's going to infect uh, your organization in negative ways if that stuff's going on. So, um, so that was the case. The other thing, at least to mention regarding the Coppola era, is John Hart. You might remember that name as well. He was president of baseball operations during Coppola's tenure. Um, and he was also pulling some tr- strings, like I said, at, at some point. Then Coppola was put in, um, you know, ha- was given more, um, uh, given more leeway and, and more responsibility over time. And, but, the funny thing about the whole scandal, if you want to call it that, is John Hart uh, was never touched by the scandal at all, even though he was over top of Coppola. Um, and most people think he probably at least had some knowledge of what Coppola was doing with these international signings. Some people would go further than that. But nonetheless, Hart is able to get away scot-free and actually got a really cushy job with MLB Network. Um and you know became a commentator uh, for them in a studio guy. So uh, nonetheless, uh, Coppola definitely was maybe the fall guy in some ways. That doesn't mean he was he was innocent, but MLB definitely came down pretty hard on him. But you know the recent news is that MLB lifts the ban, the lifetime ban. I guess it wasn't lifetime, the lifetime ban on Coppola. Um, you know it, this does not guarantee that. It, uh, an organization is going to go out there and hire a copy, uh, but he he really did prove to be a pretty shrewd uh, baseball guy when he was running the Braves. So I would not be shocked if at some point uh, a club gives him a chance. It maybe at the lower levels, maybe in a scouting department. He was head of the Bra- of the Braves scouting department for some time before he he rose in the ranks. So he does have a pretty impressive resume and and he was basically the guy in charge during the the crucial period of the Braves rebuild uh, from 2015 through 2017. Uh, he does seem truly remorseful about what he did. Uh, that's basically why it, it sounds like MLB was willing to lift the ban. He's kind of made amends in all the areas that he needed to do. So, you know, good for him. You do hope that he's a changed guy and that he um, you know, I, I don't have any ill will towards him. I, I hope he does find another opportunity. <laughs> don't Braves. I don't think he'll find it in, in Atlanta, but who knows where he will end up. Um, it, it does put back into my mind a little, you know, sour grapes maybe, but I was always frustrated with how major league baseball dealt with this whole thing. Um, Okay, Coppola is is clearly guilty of what he did. They give him a lifetime ban, but they also really uh, hamstring the Braves uh, and their international signings for years to come. You know, the Braves lost multiple international players that they had signed. So these guys were like 19, 20 year old prospects at the time. Um, so about 10 of those guys were were removed from the Braves uh, farm system and uh, were given a chance to go sign somewhere else. None of those guys really have made have become much, uh, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, side note, but um, but the bigger issue was that the Braves were banned from playing in the international uh, pool for several years, and of course, uh, this is why now you see some weakness in the Braves. Uh, farm system. I mean, most of these guys would be either at the major league level or in the upper levels of the minor leagues right now, and. 
And that's really where the weakness lies. You know, double A, triple A, probably for the Braves for the next two seasons is it's going to be pretty weak. And obviously, if the Braves were able to sign players during that time period, uh, it would look a little different. At least you would hope. Um, so you know, it's it's frustrating to me that that Major League Baseball would do that simply because, like I said, it's very likely that other teams were doing this as well. It seemed obvious at the time that this was kind of that situation of uh, you know the the authority figure being overly um, harsh uh, in in discipline disciplining somebody so that everybody else just steps back in line um, you know and and <laughs> you can say what you will it certainly isn't a fair situation again if you're the guilty party it's hard to complain that much but it did seem to be a little out of whack with um, with maybe what the Braves organization deserved. Nonetheless, you know, this is part of Coppola's legacy as the Braves general manager. Um, and, uh, you know, so I do want to dive into that a little bit more, you know. Um, let's look at Coppola. Let's look at, um, you know, some of the players on the team now or, or players that had huge impacts in the Braves 2021 World Series that, that you could connect to Capoella. So what I basically done is just kind of look at the current core of the Braves, plus a couple other guys, and connect them to the different general managers that brought them in. Uh, so let's just start, you know, uh, with the catching position. Sean Murphy uh, was brought in by Alex Anthopoulos, uh, and let's we could also say Darno as well. Both of these players are Anthopolis guys. And, of course, Sean Murphy coming over um, this offseason. Matt Olson, the starting first baseman, was Anthopolis as well. Uh, Ozzie Albies was an international signing by Frank Wren. You know, Frank Wren came before Coppola. Um, you know, his tenure ended pretty badly. This is when the Braves uh, were, were on the downswing in a lot of ways and had to rebuild and had to rebuild the farm system particularly. But it's kind of interesting. Wren comes up with a couple of really key guys that the Braves have. So he wasn't, you know, totally awful, um, even though he ultimately was fired by the Braves. Uh, Vaughn Grissom, of course, is we're, we're hoping that Grissom is going to be, um, you know, something for the Braves. I'm also going to be talking about him a lot more at the end of this podcast. But he, of course, is also an Anthopolis guy from the draft. Uh, Austin Riley. Now, he, here's our first really – core guy from the Braves that was brought in by John Coppola. Uh, he was um, he was signed in the draft, but that draft pick was uh, a part of an early trade that uh, that Coppola made with San Diego. Um, I believe that was in the um, the Justin Upton deal. Uh, so it was one of the Upton brothers, right? Both Uptons were 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 uh, traded to San Diego, but yeah, Riley was was uh, a part of that. Uh, Dansby Swanson, of course, now gone, but very much a part of the Braves' core for these many years, uh, was also famously acquired by John Coppola, and that was the Shelby Miller deal, in which the Braves also got Ender Enciarte, who who gave the Braves a few good seasons in center field. Let's also remember. Uh, Freddie Freeman for a minute, um, you know, probably the most crucial piece to the Braves' uh, run of of many, um, uh, you know, all these successes, including the 2021 World Series. He was uh, he was drafted by Frank Wren, and he was extended by Wren. So again, Wren it can take a lot of credit for Freddie Freeman. Uh, 
All right, Eddie Rosario, um, even with his struggles, don't don't forget that he was the NLCS MVP. He was brought in by Alex Anthopoulos, along with all of those outfielders that were just so crucial to the Braves winning the World Series. Anthopoulos can totally take some credit for um, for bringing those guys over via trade. Michael Harris is an Anthopoulos uh, guy. Um, and then Ronald Acuna was an international signing by Frank Wren. So good job on Wren for that one. And then Marcelo Zuna was an Alex Anthopoulos guy. And this is, and I think Anthopoulos would agree, this is his, uh, his, his worst move that he made re-signing Ozuna to a long-term deal. But, you know, you want to uh, mention the good and the bad with, with all these guys. So, uh, okay, let's go to the pitchers, uh, the current pitchers on the Braves team. Max Fried was brought in by Coppola. Um, as was Kyle Wright and Mike Soroka. We're all Coppola guys. Uh, Freed was, was gotten in one of those San Diego trades. Um, and then Kyle Wright and Mike Soroka were, um, were through the draft. Uh, now, Anthopolis um, brought in uh, Spencer Strider, of course, and Charlie Morton. Strider through the draft, Morton through free agency. And then I also want to mention Ian Anderson was a Coppola um guy as well. So Coppola has a lot of, you know, if you're talking about where are his fingerprints over the Braves current team uh, and even the Braves 2021 World Series, it really had a lot to do. Uh, he had a lot to do with the Braves pitching core uh, for sure. And then the other interesting thing, you know, so th- th- this is a lot of the like main core players that we're talking about. Um, we could also actually talk about some relief pitchers. Um, so Coppola had, you know, he drafted A.J. Minter uh, and he acquired um, Luke Jackson uh, as well. So even some of the night shift, right, was uh, was Coppola. But he also had a lot to do with the Braves um, coaching staff. Uh, Kevin Seitzer was hired by Coppola. Uh, Brian Snicker, if you'll recall, when Freddie Gonzalez was fired, Coppola was the guy who made the call. And maybe it was partly John Hart, too, but they made the call to give the opportunity to Brian Snicker. A lot's been made about that. And, you know, his, his so many, you know, decades in the Braves system and never being given a chance to manage. Well, uh, Coppola has a lot to do with Snicker being given that chance. And Ron Washington was also hired by Coppola. Uh, and I think the world of Ron Washington and his ability to coach. So a lot of a lot of fingerprints of Coppola over this team. And, and yeah, I just want to mention it again. Uh, it's it's not a perfect record by any means, but you know you do look back and you're thinking, gosh, I mean, he did have a lot of baseball knowledge. He he brought in some really key guys. It's not all about him for sure. I think Anthopolis can be be given a ton of credit for coming into what was a pretty good situation. He even said so when he came in. You recall some of some of his comments when he came into the Braves. He's like, this is a great organization, and I'm coming into a great situation, even with the international signing, uh, you know, bands that were going on, just great players, great situation. And then what Anthopolis was able to do is kind of bring it all together, put some really key pieces into the mix. And, uh, you know, obviously it was incredibly successful for the Braves in winning the world series and last year too, winning 101 games. Uh, yeah, they didn't get it done at the end, but but a tremendous season, and the Braves are set up long-term. You know, last last podcast we just talked about uh, the long-term, um, you know, health of the Atlanta Braves, and particularly from a position player standpoint, 
we're in very good shape for a long, long time. So, anyways, you know, Anthopolis, yeah, he is a great GM. Uh, and I don't think we have to worry about any scandals coming out from Anthopolis. But, yeah, it's just interesting to look at Coppola and, and what he did with the Braves. You know, the irony about Coppola is that he never really signed any uh, great uh, international prospects that, that did much. The only guy uh, that I could find from his time uh, in terms of international signings is William Contreras, who, of course, the Braves traded away this offseason. But Contreras was, I mean, he was given a, a small number you know, he was not a highly regarded international prospect at the time. So all of these big-time prospects that the Braves signed during his his tenure, they didn't really amount to much, or at least they haven't yet. Uh, so just kind of kind of ironic, you know, with with um, uh, the fact that the scandal was was built around uh, the international signings. Nothing came of any of those guys. Uh, of course, Coppola also. Didn't, I mean, he, he made some bad moves, too. You'll recall uh, he traded Alex Wood for Hector Oliveira. That was a horrible one, and the Braves ended up having to eat uh, you know, a lot of Matt Kemp's bad contract just to get rid of Oliveira. That put the Braves behind for a while. Uh, he traded Andrelton Simmons to the Angels for Sean Newcomb. That one certainly didn't work out. But, you know, every GM has, has some of those. Um, you want to go for it, and sometimes things don't work out the way you want them to. But Coppola back in baseball, at least the opportunity to. Like I said, he hasn't been uh, hired by anybody. But it's really interesting uh, as a Braves fan to kind of see where that uh, where that ends up. All right, guys. Well, the next topic I really want to get into today is Vaughn Grissom. And will the Braves put their faith in Grissom uh, this season? It remains to be seen. Right now, it certainly seems like they're going to. Uh, a couple of days ago, Mark Bowman, who is the MLB reporter, I mentioned him a number of times. He's the MLB reporter for the Braves. He he is very much in the know on things uh, all related to the Braves. Um, he wrote an article expressing a lot of doubts about Vaughn Grissom being the starting shortstop for the Braves this season. Now, this was interesting to me because, uh, you know, um, Mark Bowman is pretty much a straight-down-the-line reporter. Uh, he's not an opinion guy uh, for the most part, um, and he's very good in that role. But this, uh, this report seemed to be more opinion piece than anything else. Um, he, Bowman mentioned that last spring training he had talked to some, some scouts around the Braves uh, when he asked about Grissom, these guys basically said, yeah, he'll, he'll be a second or third baseman. He's probably not going to stick defensively at shortstop. He probably can't handle it. Um, and so throughout the article, Bowman is expressing a lot of doubts um, you know, about Grissom and his ability to, to play defensively at shortstop. He, he um, expressed doubts about uh, Grissom working with Ron Washington. You know, Grissom is doing these three intensive training sessions like week-long training sessions with Ron Washington and um, you know Washington's of course known as a guru of defensive infielders and uh, so Bowman is just expressing well you know you're not going to go through that and suddenly be a great defender which which might be true but uh, but just seemed very dismissive I mean that's how the article came across at least uh, so you know all this stuff Bowman basically saying I think uh, Grissom should just be put in left field and that was, that was the, the, the point to the article, I guess. So only two days later, 
you know, Brace Fest just happened, and I'm sure Bowman was all over that. So only two days later, he posts another article on Braves.com. Basically, the Braves saying, nope, we believe in Vaughn Grissom. He's going to be our guy. Uh, the Braves strongly expressing confidence that he can do it. And, uh, you know, part of this is the Braves certainly are going to say that. They're going to express confidence in the guy that is probably going to, uh, you know, put in most of the innings uh, in at the shortstop position this year. Uh, but it does seem like they are being uh, very vocal in expressing their confidence, and it makes me really believe that it's going to be Grissom's job to lose. Now, of course, Orlando Arcia is still in place, and, and I think uh, Brace fans can at least have some comfort in knowing that he could play a capable shortstop. I don't think he's, you know, offensively, going to be the greatest option through 162 games. But if, you know, if worse came to worse, I think he's okay. I really do. Um, but I really think Grissom can do it. I think Grissom can be a starting shortstop in the major leagues. Now, do I have the inside track? Of course not. But I do have a few reasons why I think that. The first one that I've heard from a lot of different places is that Grissom uh, possesses tremendous work ethic, um, and a great attitude. And I think those things are super important. Now, you can have those things and not have the skill and never, you know, you just, you can't do it. But but Grissom having tremendous work ethic, it, it's just the first piece that is going to be really important. Every time you hear Anthopolis talk about Grissom, he basically says that his intangibles are off the charts. Um, and that's what you love to hear. I mean, if Grissom was was slacking at home and you know eating potato chips and you know with his feet up, then that would be a different thing. But he's out there working working hard. Uh, I follow follow him on Instagram, and he's always posting these uh, these you know workouts. And I mean, it, it's it's good to see that stuff. And uh, he's definitely engaged into that. We know that he's great buddies with with Michael Harris, who I also think the world of. And man, if those two um, just continue to rise together, I think it's all the better for the Braves. So the Braves obviously see all that, and that's a big piece of it. You know, the other piece is Ron Washington. I do believe in Washington. I, you know, he, he might not be a miracle worker, but there's something to be said uh, for having a guy who is 100% respected by players, who, they're, you know, they're going to listen to him, and they're going to do everything that, that he asks, and and what he's doing is proven, right? It's proven to, to work. Uh, there's multiple guys who will give Washington credit for, uh, you know, turning them into great, uh, great fielders. I think Eric Chavez, uh, a former uh, Oakland A, gave Ron Washington one of his gold gloves because he basically said, I wouldn't have this without you. Um, you know, so, and I think even, you know, Braves fans can connect that to Dansby Swanson, who who had a lot of defensive struggles in his first season or two and, of course, became a tremendous defensive uh, defensive shortstop. Uh, so, yeah, I believe in Washington. And Washington is saying that he believes in Grissom. And I listen to that. You know, Mark Bowman with this article saying, well, these, these unnamed scouts told me that he could only play second or third. Well, if Ron Washington is telling you that, that he's got it, that he's capable, I'm going to believe Ron Washington before some unnamed scouts. Um, Grissom is also very young. You know, he's only 22 years old. Uh, he's a year younger than when Dansby Swanson made his debut. He's two years younger than when Dansby Swanson 
was basically entrenched at shortstop in his first full season. You know, so he's an unfinished product, and you got to give the guy time. Even if he comes in this year and struggles and struggles mightily, look, two years from now, come back to me because uh, he might be a far improved defensive shortstop at that time. Um, I had to look this up, but in Dansby Swanson's first full season, again, he was 23 at that time, he was a minus five outs above average for the season. He was a slightly below average defensive shortstop, right? And then fast forward a few years, he's a gold glove winner. You know, there is such a thing as growth. There's such a thing as improvement. And, uh, you know, we're going to learn a lot about about Grissom uh, in spring training and beyond this season. But I think, um, you know, let's, let's pump the brakes and give the guy a shot before we start putting him in the left field, which is what uh, Bowman is saying he wants him to do. The other thing that's very obvious when you watch Vaughn Grissom is he is a tremendous athlete. Uh, he has, um, you know, tremendous speed. Uh, he moves very smoothly. Now, this in and of itself doesn't mean you're going to be a great fielder, uh, but I think that is a, a nice other little piece that shows you this guy should be able to do some things with the glove. Uh, you know, he didn't look tremendously fluid at second base last year, but Second base is not shortstop, and here's why. You know, a lot of people say, well, second base should be easier than shortstop. Well, if you're used to playing on the left side of the infield and then suddenly you move over to the right side, I know it doesn't sound like that much, but the ball's coming off at a different angle, different spin. Uh, you're you're going to one side or the other a little a little more often, and it is, it is different. Um, and so I wouldn't judge him too harshly off of that. And again, he's a young kid. You know, he, he was asked to do something that was very difficult, uh, playing very few double-A games, and suddenly you're in the major leagues. Um, so anyways, yeah, look, he's going to get better, and he's going to work hard to do that. Is it a guarantee that he's going to make it at shortstop? No, but, but I like the opportunity of giving him a chance. The payoff simply is too big for the Braves, and I think this is the biggest reason why you give him a shot. If Vaughn Grissom um, can hit, like I know they, you know, the Braves believe in his bat. They'll say that time and time again. So if he can just play an average shortstop for his career, he's an incredibly valuable player at that point. I mean, you're talking about four, five, you know, five and a half win player in Vaughn Grissom. Um, he's not that valuable as a left fielder. He's not a bad player as a left fielder, but he's he's a far more valuable player at shortstop. So why not take uh, some chance? Why not invest in him in this way and, and see what he can do? You know, I was trying to think if, if Grissom can just simply be an average defensive shortstop, can I get a, a comp for him? And so um, the guy I found was Bo Bichette. You know, Bo Bichette plays for, uh, for the Blue Jays. Uh, he's, of course, the son of Dante Bichette. He's very, um, very good offensive uh, shortstop. Uh, and he's a run-of-the-mill average, not bad, average defensive shortstop, and he's a really good player for the Blue Jays. And if, look, if Vaughn Grissom could be that guy for the Braves, man, we we would love that. And I think that's totally possible. Bo Bichette was a four-and-a-half war player this year. That's kind of what he's projected to be this upcoming season. And I really do think that Vaughn Grissom, if he can figure it out defensively, can be that guy. He's young. You know, the funny thing about this is I wouldn't be shocked if Grissom comes out and is 
pretty okay defensively and then struggles offensively a little bit. He's a young player. You know, uh, the league figures you out. I mean, you, you got to adjust. We saw that with Austin Riley. We saw it a little bit at the end of the year with Michael Harris. We're going to have to see how he adjusts to all these things. Um, but we just have to be a little patient with young players, especially in baseball. You know, baseball is not the NBA. Uh, it's it's not. You, you're not necessarily going to be LeBron James or whoever, you know, Kobe Bryant, immediately impacting the game. It takes time. It's repetition. Um, it's it's all the small little things that you have to do well over and over and over again for 162 games. So ultimately, you know, I just think, well, what's the worst that can happen to give Von Grissom this shot? Um, if he fails, what? You send him down to AAA and, and let him try a little bit more at AAA and then bring him back? And if he fails there, you put him in left field and you still have a good hitter and, like I said, a useful player, just not quite as valuable a player is if he could play shortstop and, and you have Arcia. Or you could go out and get somebody. You know, uh, the Braves certainly could do that. I think they would prefer not to. But, yes, it could happen. So, you know, does this put a lot of pressure on Vaughn Grissom? It does. I mean, it does. But in some ways, it's going to reveal what kind of player he is. If he's able to uh, embrace this, this kind of responsibility of being the shortstop for the Atlanta Braves, a, a team that is vying for a World Series. Um, if he can embrace that and succeed, man, the Braves have a tremendous player on their hands. And, uh, you know, if he can't, he wouldn't be the first one to struggle with that sort of thing. But I think it's a good thing to, to you know, push some things on a young kid and see what he's made of. And I think we'll, we'll find out a lot about Von Grissom this year. And, uh, yeah, if he's successful, the, I think the Braves are going to have a, a tremendous year. Um, the sky's the limit. And they're going to be good no, no matter what happens at shortstop. Let's be honest. So, all right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode of State of the Braves. And I will talk to you soon.